0: Things fall into two categories. Things you can do something about, you do it, and you move on. And things you can't do anything about it, you pray about it, you give it to God, and you move on. Welcome to The Foundry, where leaders are forged daily each week we investigate themes of leadership entrepreneurship and mindset with some of the greatest minds in real estate and now the data scientist of real estate george roberts
1: welcome back investors in the first half of this exciting interview with sean griffith we talked about passive investing asset management and transitioning To active real estate investing. The second half of this interview, we'll talk about learning from mistakes, writing your first real estate book, and technology. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, good stuff. And that's the market near the age. It's not just about covering every billboard and every silver screen. Nowadays, marketing means putting out some value. Prove you can do the job. Don't just give me the social proof and say, you know, hey, I've got this many units, or that I got, uh, you know, th- this, this many mentees, I mean, yeah, show that you can do the job, provide that valuable material to people, let them consume it. And once they consume that free material, they'll see that, you know, hey, there's some value to actually being in the program, not just looking at something on the internet, because let's, let's be clear, you can consume free material on the internet all day long, it isn't necessarily going to get you where you need to be. You need sometimes to get in a program,
0: have a mentor and, and, you know, take those steps. Well, and that brings up a really great point, which is knowledge by itself is great. But if you don't take that knowledge and apply it, if you don't do if you don't take some action, that knowledge is really useless. I mean, you could know everything in the world there is to know about data science, but if you don't apply that to some data and interpret that and give somebody a meaningful result, all that knowledge is wasted. Yeah, love it. I'm so glad you brought up data
1: science there because firsthand experience, I've seen people have very different career trajectories. Some people, they know everything about machine learning. They can tell you everything about neural networks going back to the 1960s, and then there are other people that may not be as intellectual or maybe don't have an advanced degree in data science or mathematics, but they build useful models, right? As they say, Mm -hmm. all models are wrong. Some models are useful. And uh, one of my favorite quotes from data science, you know, we have all these amazingly complex machine learning tools these days. We've got artificial intelligence. We have chat GPT that can practically write a book for you. Uh, I have reasons why you might not want to do that in a moment, but we'll talk about that later. But these things are so powerful. But then when you ask people in the field and say like, well, what techniques are you actually using? Usually they'll sheepishly say something like, well, 90%
0: of the time we just use regression. Yeah. You know, it. it, it really, you know, it really does and, and that kind of to segue back into real estate and multifamily, you know, you and I both know that, you know, regression is, is kind of one of the basic staples in data analysis. Getting back to your basics in, you know, property management, property acquisition, the basics are the same. And, and you've got to learn and you've got to pay attention to those basics. And it doesn't matter whether it's property acquisition and you're analyzing a property, uh, you know, trying to figure out, well, gee, how much can I, you know, effectively offer for this property and still be able to make a profit on the back end and still be able to cash flow and everything else? (laughs) You know, it's a it, it all comes down to basics.
1: Right. There's no substitute for knowing your fundamentals cold like the back of your hand, like you said, bread and butter. I think you've always got to be learning. You got to be reaching for the the advanced material. You got to find out what's new. Keep up with your field, but you you'll never find a substitute for fully understanding the bread and butter in your fields. Whether that's regression, if if you are out making predictions in the world, or whether it's like you said, property management, you got to just fully understand. You know what what is the function of this role. How do I make the most of it? What's my role? How do we all work together? Yeah, major, major insights there. Well, let's see, a couple of things I'd like to do. I do want to ask you about writing books. Before we do, uh, we talked about mistakes and I feel like maybe there's a little bit more to be said about this. So again, you built yourself a long runway and I want to say, I think that's absolutely the way you do want to do it. Uh, What are some of the missteps you've encountered along the way? and what did you learn from overcoming those hurdles?
0: Yeah, so one of the things we learned while we were passive investors is, just because you know the person that's inviting you into the deal and you've done a deal with them in the past, don't assume that the entire team is gonna be like they are. Get to know the entire team Don't assume that they're all on the same page and they all have the same business plan. Because we got into a deal, there were five different partners, and there were five different ideas on how the property was to be run. There was not a designated asset manager. So all five of them were trying to tell the property management what to do. Property management fell to the lowest level required by their contract, which is not enough to make a property operate well at all. And the occupancy started dropping. And, you know, we went into this deal that they had promised us, you know, like a 9% cash flow. Obviously, this was a a little while ago. And they promised that they were going to double our money or more. And they ended up selling it after about two and a half years. Because it never cash flowed, you know, we never got any cash flow out of it. And we got, I think, like 20, I think it was 28%. So roughly about a 13 or 14% annual return, which is not bad, but it's nowhere near the 100% growth that they promised us. Um, And, you know, it was just, I think the biggest thing I learned from that is vet the entire sponsor team, get to know the entire sponsor team. Don't just, you know, it's like I tell my investors, just because you know me, you know, and I'll tell you, I've done the due diligence on the partners I get in business with, but don't, don't assume that I've done a good job. You know, you should get to know them. You should talk to them. You know, if you're in the neighborhood, you could, you should meet them, have coffee with them, you know, you get, Look in their eye when when you're talking to them about the deal so that you get a feel for how they are and how they how they operate. What kind of person are they?
1: Yeah. Outstanding points. I mean, you want to know the depth of the roster. So don't just look at the superstar player, you know, and how long does the team work together? I think that's another important thing. It is sad when a team does not work well together. It's really very difficult. I mean, to use, I think, was it uh, Plato that came up with the, the ship of fools analogy? It's better that the ship have one captain uh, than that they necessarily have the best captain, because if we're all grabbing for the captain's wheel, we yeah. aren't going anywhere.
0: No, and, and that's one of the things that I learned is I always ask, who is the designated asset manager? Who has the last say on how that property is operated. If property management has a question, uh, or if I as an investor have a question on on the operation of the property, who is the person to go to? I don't want to have a vote by committee. I I don't want to have to get six different answers from six different people or whatever it is. I want to know who's the asset manager. Now, yeah, also, you know, in in you know, in the spirit of having uh, succession planning, you know, you want to have a who's your backup, right? You right. you you never have just one, but you want to have somebody that that's their role. They're the asset manager, and you have a backup.
1: Yeah, I love it. If the team at least knows how they're going to work together, that helps. And uh, I think with that, let's. Let's take a pivot. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned our conference. It was a great conference. We had an outstanding presentation from Chandler Bolt about writing a book. Yes. And before I ask you about your book and, and how that's going, uh, I'll share a quick story about why I don't think you should use Chat GPT to write your book. Not that that's something you're doing, but it's something I see people are doing in this business. So I went out and I was looking at syndication fees yesterday. Just looking to see, uh, you know, just read a couple articles and, you know, noticed, couldn't help noticing, that I saw a couple articles that looked like they were practically identical. I don't think anybody just went and copied someone else's website. My guess is that when somebody asked, you know, somebody might have asked ChatGPT, you know, hey, uh, what sort of fees do syndicators charge? That, I mean, it it, it only promises to give you an answer. doesn't doesn't promise to give you a unique answer right doesn't promise <laughs> that the words are going to be uh unique or in any way individual and my guess is that somebody inadvertently copied uh through artificial intelligence so
0: <laughs> yeah that's going to be one of the challenges you know going forward with tools like chat gpt is you know if Uh, There's a whole host of thoughts going through my head right now on, you know, should, uh, should ChatGPT uh, be listed as a co-author, you know, uh, should, should ChatGPT uh, be listed as a reference, you know, so again, you know, and, and it's funny that you say that because I've actually been using ChatGPT for my book, not to write it, but to discuss ideas and, and and kind of flesh out the ideas to go, uh, you know, is there anything else related to this topic? You know, so, you know, uh, you know. are there any good literary references? Are there any good quotes around this topic? So there's a lot of things that you can use it for to help speed up your research, but I agree 100% you don't want ChatGPT to write your book for you.
1: I love it. Look at this, two technologists talking about technology. I think we may be going down a rabbit hole but, we could, uh, yeah, I love it, and you know, I think that perhaps AI can solve the problems that AI created. I know that YouTube does a pretty decent check before you put your video up to see if there's any copyrighted material, and I'm sure that they're good at catching Taylor Swift songs that you have playing in the background, but there's a lot of things I'm sure they miss, so yeah, that'll probably be uh, something that we have to do in the future. Make sure that entire sections of your book didn't come straight out of someone else's book. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, so so let's get right down to it. Now, I, I'm writing my book, too. I've been doing it for like two years, but I've gotten a lot of people encouraging me recently, including Jerome Lewis, who's really got me to say, look, I've got to get this thing out there. But I want to hear about your book. So tell us, uh what
0: book are you writing and how far are you? So I am... I literally got started at the weekend there with uh, Chandler. And so I I signed on to his program to, uh, you know, for his coaching and to really, you know, kind of kickstart the book. So I've been writing the book for a little over a week. I'm at the stage where I have a mind map down and I'm starting to work on a, a good solid table of contents and working on an introduction. The book marries two of my passions, real estate, And if you can tell by my background here, uh, you've got, uh, you know, I like we like to travel. I noticed that, you know, so, uh, you know, travel is one of our things. So we're we're going to be talking in the book about, you know, what is real estate syndication, you know, real estate investing and how can you use that to, uh, you know, over time help you to either travel more often or travel at a higher class, you know, so if you've been traveling economy, you want, maybe you want to upgrade to economy plus, if you've been in economy plus, maybe you want to go to business class. And, you know, all it takes is money, right? You know, if you need to travel more, well, it just takes money because now you, you know, you, you can't leave because, well, I have to mow the grass. Well, you pay somebody, you, you hire somebody to mow the grass. So a lot of these things can be, a lot of the excuses that people have to not travel, or not travel more often can be overcome, you're having some increased income.
1: Yeah, I love it. And so uh, if you notice me looking down, I was trying to recreate my mind map. I wish I was at my other desk, I'd be able to pick it up. But I noticed you had a very clean mind map going, let's see if I can get the computer to show this. you're not gonna be able to read all that, but I just briefly recreated, uh, my map for a book that I'm writing, investing in real estate with confidence. And I want to say it's an extraordinarily powerful technique. The idea of just getting on the page just putting some bubbles out there and yep. saying, you know, Hey, this is my unique selling proposition. I mean, you love to travel. You're an expert in real estate and you're showing people how to find that very specific freedom in, in a very relatable way. And You know, when you get those stories out there like, hey, I have to tell the story about, look, Hey, if you want to buy real estate with confidence, you got to understand the math behind real estate. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? You know, I I have the story of being in the eighth grade and I got kicked out of the math class about half the time. I hated it. I didn't understand it. I wasn't paying attention. And, you know, I just caused trouble. And I went from that to to becoming a scientist and then later an award-winning data scientist. So the point is that whatever your troubles with mathematics, mine are greater. I think that quote comes from Einstein. He had a little trouble with math. (laughs) He figured it out though. And and the point is- I would say that he did. did. (laughs) See, it seems so. (laughs) It would appear so. But uh, the, the idea is just realizing that you know more about your topic than you think you do you have more relatable stories mm-hmm. than you realize and we get there uh, to the to the I'll say the typewriter I'm dating myself nobody does that anymore and you just try to bang it out, right you are really skipping a lot of the creative process that mind map is is very valuable. so yeah mm-hmm. that was an awesome thing and I saw your mind map like I said very clear. so yeah people with great handwriting are almost always very clear thi- thinkers. So sometimes you have uh, messy handwriting people that are, that are clear thinkers, but it's almost always the case that, uh, you know, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. So I thought, wow, I got to get my mind map game going. But uh, great to hear that that's on the way. And I know that a week of writing, most people, that sounds like that's probably not much at all. But I know that if you're doing it in the right way, I've written about 58 pages of my book But I wrote 35 of them, probably over three to five nights,
0: because when you are in the right state of mind, the book almost writes itself. Yeah, one of the things that Chandler said from the stage made me realize why I've never finished one of my other books. And he says, never edit your book while you're writing it. Yeah. Sage advice. Well, i realized
1: look i think i've been having too much fun because we're coming up to the top of the hour again and oh, wow, we haven't yeah. started our rapid fire rounds so <laughs> what do you say sean are you up to it we got the seven coming here shoot me all right coming at you live here <laughs>
0: If you could be known for only one thing, what would it be? I would say if you want it in one word, integrity. If you want to spread it out, uh, doing what I say I'm going to do.
1: What's the greatest lesson in leadership you have learned as an entrepreneur?
0: Uh, It's never as easy as you think it's going to be going in, but you can solve any of the problems with enough persistence. What personal characteristic has been most pivotal to your success? Well, the, you go back to the answer on my first question: the integrity and doing what I say I'm going to do. Um, that and, and networking—you know, getting to know people. I, I sensed there was going to be a theme
1: here. All
0: right, let's let's take a nod to the
1: randomness in the universe. I got my random questions here, so oh, nice. Anything <laughs> from the trivial to the profound—just tell me when to stop cutting the deck. That's good. All right. Oh, this is the worst question ever. Where would Puffball, where would you most like to travel?
0: <laughs> so that is both easy and hard. Uh, you know, people ask me, where's your favorite place to travel? And, and it's someplace we haven't been yet.
1: Any place you haven't been yet or anything particular?
0: No, I mean, we're, we're always looking for places that we haven't been really cool, interesting, unusual places. That's why you know, if you look at my background, that was Antarctica. We went down there in February, uh, had a blast. Uh, so we're always we're always looking for things out there to kind of push the boundaries. You know, we, we want to go to Africa and do, uh, you know, a safari during the Great Migration uh, and then kind of end up the trip uh, by summiting Mount Kilimanjaro. All right, That's amazing.
1: All right. so here i'll I'll throw one out here. Have you ever been to this island halfway between Africa and South America? Tristan de Cunha? No, okay. All right. so that's that's a place I'd like to go. And uh, I actually looked at buying a house there though. Oh wow. I don't think there are a whole lot for sale out there. No. Well, I've heard the Islanders though, are very, very nice. Pretty, pretty amazing place. And uh, I think the coolest story is they've got all these rockhopper penguins and the the, the the ecology of the birds is such that only the largest egg is, is going to hatch and, and be nurtured by the mother. So they actually will make these rockhopper penguin omelets when you go out there. So that's probably the only place you can enjoy that. So they take the smaller egg that's that's not going to uh to develop anyway and they're they're able to actually sustainably harvest that
0: oh that's cool i and and I'm a foodie so when I travel I'm always looking for new and interesting stuff to eat all right well that would that be
1: something new to most of us at least all right name a book that's helped afford you as a leader or as an entrepreneur and why
0: oh there's been so many one of the ones I read and probably in the last six months, uh, was Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. And that really got me to to focus on, you know, don't ask how I'm going to do something. Ask who can help me get it done. Love
1: it. And what's the biggest hurdle you've overcome in your business in the last year, and what
0: did it teach you? Oh, hurdles. You know, probably the biggest one is, you know, I I half jokingly, half in truth, tell people, I said, you know, I suffer the curse of the real estate investor. I look great on a balance sheet, but I have no cash. So the biggest hurdle is, is learning to, because, you know, about the time you get a pile of cash together, you go, oh, look over there, shiny deal, you know, and then off you go. and, And now your cash is back out the door. Right. So, you know, and it's it's a balance of, you know, keeping your money in motion and still keeping enough of it to, you know, satisfy all of the other needs. But I mean, that that's probably my biggest challenge is the is the cash management. I'm still working Out, on it.
1: Outstanding. Thanks for keeping it real. That is being cash poor is is often. Uh, the scourge of the real estate investor. Okay, so uh, can you send us out with a quote to help forge our listeners as leaders
0: and entrepreneurs? I, I would yep. I would love to. Uh, my grandmother, I owe a, a great deal to uh, my uh, character and my upbringing to her. She had a saying that things fall into two categories: things you can do something about, you do it and you move on, and things you can't do anything about it. You pray about it, you give it to God, and you move on. You know, so you know, a lot of people will will tend to think that I am indifferent about things, and it's like, no, I'm not indifferent. It's just if I can do something about it, I will do it, and that, okay, that that's behind me now. I don't have to worry about it. And if it's something I can't do anything about, I pray about it, I give it to God, and I've done everything I can do about it at that point. So there's no use in me worrying about it. So I move on. So I don't, you know, I really don't worry about things.
1: All right, awesome. And I love it, no chat GPT required. That was <laughs> a, a quote original there. All right, well, anyway, hey, before we turn around, uh, did, would you like to turn around and ask uh, me a question?
0: Well, you know, you had you asked, uh, you you'd said something about your book. Um, I, I'm definitely interested in learning more about that. And, and I guess... I guess one of the other things might be, you know, what what prompted you to start podcasting?
1: Well, you know, I think I just love people and conversations that I have in a forum like this is what really keeps me going. So I love to learn about people. And I found there's no better, quicker, deeper way to do that than to throw yourself into a podcast interview. Do an hour or three of research on the person and then spend an hour up close and personal. So, yeah, thank you for that. And then I just want to make sure that we have an opportunity to reach out to you. So, if our audience wants to reach Sean Griffith, what is the best way to do that?
0: Uh, They can go to our website. It's twtmultifamily.com. And there's a book a call button on there that'll take you right to my calendar.
1: All right. Awesome interview. Thank you so much for your time, Sean.
0: George, really appreciate you looking forward to, to hearing how we uh, come out on the in the real world here with after the editing and whatnot, and uh, yeah. really excited to uh, uh, hopefully provide some value to your listeners. And that you did.
1: Thank you so much, Sean.